This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. The experts at Web.com want to build your business a successful website for free, just like we did for these current Web.com customers. We've used and and looked at other website designers, but there's nobody better than Web.com. Web.com can build your website in as little as seven days free. Plus, we'll promote it on all the major search engines like Google, Yahoo, and Bing. If after 30 days you're happy, we'll continue to provide promotion, hosting, support, and maintenance, all for one low monthly fee. If not, cancel and pay nothing. If you're in business today and you don't have a web presence, you won't be taken seriously. Call right now and you'll also get a free .com or .net domain name for your new website powered by VeriSign, the world's leading domain name provider. Call 800-490-1099 or go to web.com slash radio. That's 800-490-1099. No upfront charge for site build, after which ongoing fees apply. Rights to site are relinquished when canceled. Domain included during active service, after which fees apply. And now, the Blaze Radio Network presents 40 Acres and a Fool. Here's your host, Cam Edwards. Greetings from the near frontier. Thank you for tuning in to another edition of 40 Acres and a Fool from the Blaze Radio Network. This is episode 87 I believe, and I am at the kitchen table, and I am once again joined by the one and only, the wonderful Miss E. Hello. Hello. And we've got the puppy walking around the house <laughs> drinking. So. Yes, that's what we call a water feature uh, in our house, <laughs> the the lapping at the dog bowl. So I'm glad that you're able to be with us. Yes. It's been I, a couple uh, of weeks. How are you feeling? If the second chemo hit me, I think, harder um for probably just as long I just felt like I was I just stayed in bed for the first week or so and then finally got to where I didn't feel like I was going to be sick to my stomach and I could actually go for more than 10 feet away from the bathroom mm. so that was hard but I rallied forth just in time for Thanksgiving you did we went shopping the Tuesday before and I had to use the cart to hold on to so I could stand up to get shopping done yeah I was really afraid that you were going to yark there in the grocery store really afraid I feel like I did too when I got really hot and cold. I was I was a little concerned I think I'm gonna have at one point I remember saying like okay if you hand me the list I can you can go hang out in the truck and I'll, I'll take care of the rest of the shopping but you rallied and then Wednesday morning you said you actually felt pretty I did. good I did I woke up Wednesday and I felt really good. We managed to crank out a chocolate pecan pie, two pumpkin pies, and an apple pie. Oh, and four mincemeat tarts mm-hmm. for dessert between I me was and the Kit hero two. of Thanksgiving for finding the mincemeat. You all over the place. We could not find the jarred mincemeat, and you were you, you right. totally three saved different grocery stores. My mom totally two counties on an entire dart. <laughs> I said, "Mom, I know they're really big. Don't feel bad if you can't finish that." And I don't think she could, but she was so happy to see it because she and I are the only ones in the family who eat it. So we really only eat it at Thanksgiving. I had half of a uh, mincemeat tart. I like mincemeat. I do, too. Uh, And here's a handy tip for those who are planning on making mincemeat pies and you need your canned mincemeat or your mincemeat concentrate. Buy it early because uh, they run out and they only get one shipment, apparently, at Thanksgiving. So they don't restock. What they get is what they get. And when it's gone, it's gone. And I was very, very lucky to stumble upon a stash of mincemeat. And it's jarred. If you keep it in your pantry low down out of the light, it'll last. I mean, the jar was good until 2019. Right. But we ate one. I have saved one for later, my precious. <laughs> <laughs> well, Christmas, Christmas is coming, right? Yeah. 
So, um, yeah, and so Wednesday you felt better. And it's interesting. I, I guess I don't realize how much the medicine, your anti-nausea medicine helps because oh, yeah. – like Wednesday, you said you you woke up and you kind of were on your rotation of the anti nausea drugs and it was making you feel okay. Uh, and then Saturday morning, you kind of had to get up unexpectedly, and I slept late. And you slept late, and so you weren't on. And like I could tell immediately. Yeah, it was like within forty five minutes of being out of bed, I started feeling really sick because I hadn't taken my medicine. I was like, whoop, I gotta do that. So yeah. So for about a week. No matter what you do, you feel pretty horrible. Yes, no matter what. And then for about three weeks, if you're on that regimen of the anti-nausea medication, you feel okay. Yes. Tolerable. Tired? Tired a lot. I sleep a lot. Last night, I actually slept straight through until 6.30. Then uh, got uh, kids up and got them ready for school and went back to bed and slept until like 11. Wow. Just, and it, just sleeping. Right. Just tired. Um, I'm not doing a, a lot. I'm, I mean, knitting and sitting. Uh, although thing like I said, Thanksgiving was exhausting because we did we ended up roasting a stuffed turkey and smoking two breasts, and I brined them all the night before, so mm-hmm. twenty four hours in brine, and we had stuffing and green beans and carrots and mashed potatoes and sweet bean casserole, sweet, sweet potato casserole, and uh, kids who made yeast rolls homemade parker house so yeah a lot of food and but we got it on the table served paper plates but <laughs> that's all right got it on the table <laughs> no it was a really good thanksgiving dinner it was and i had a lot to be thankful for so i was i was thankful first for having the people here to help me taste things because my taste buds are off and i kept thinking i'm gonna kill them all with salt like <laughs> i'm like mom come taste my gravy and Hey, you, kid, too. Taste the mashed potatoes. Make sure there's enough salt. Here, I think it was. I, I think everything was good. The yeah. uh, the stuffing was maybe a little saltier than normally is, but nothing overpowering. No. So, no, I thought it was amazing. And I know everybody was very thankful that I didn't have to cook <laughs> Thanksgiving dinner. I know. The look on my I don't if anybody would have seen the look on my face when you were like, yeah, it's okay, I can cook, I can just follow your recipes. And I was just like... <laughs> there are no recipes for Thanksgiving. I'm sure that Parker House rolls because I ripped that out of a magazine, but everything else, no, not really. No, it's no. all in your head. All up in my brain. Yeah, well, you could have instructed me. We would have muddled through, but I'm glad we didn't have to muddle through. Right, so we should be good for Christmas. Yes. About that far in advance of Christmas as the next time around. The next round of chemo, I mean. Right, yeah, mid-December, and then you'll have a... Another little bit to recover, and then uh, Christmas, all of the kids will be here. Yes. Yes. It would be so nice. All five. I can't wait. We'll have, uh, we're going to have uh, Middle Eastern Old English. We're going to have a roast goose compliments of one of our friends, and uh, some goat kebabs, and I think we'll make gyro meat and homemade pita bread, and have, uh, like, goat on kebabs. What's that? Slovaki? No. I, yeah, I think so. I think it's Slovaki. Something like that. I'm probably mixing it up with something Ukrainian. <laughs> um, but roasted meat on a stick served with pita bread and a sauce. 
So that would be good. That will be good. And it'll be, you know, the kid who doesn't eat meat unless she knows where it comes from will be happy with this dinner. Right. Yes. Yeah. Um, so before we move on from Thanksgiving, we have some uh, Thanksgiving themed emails to get to. Uh, Rob, thanks very much for the Thanksgiving wishes. And I hope that you had a wonderful Thanksgiving as well. Deborah also wrote in, said, I'm listening to your podcast while I'm baking a pie. <laughs> Sour cream apple. Ooh, yum. Mm. And I thought that I'd share a quick Thanksgiving memory. We always have dinner at my in-law's house, which is immaculate, even at this time of year. Four of us adults were in the kitchen when my mother-in-law pulled out the sweet potato casserole out of the oven and dropped it. It landed upside down on the kitchen floor. I don't know who first said, well, I'll still eat it, but we all agreed and shoveled it back into the dish. Five-second rule could be a five-minute rule in this house. Debbie says, I'm glad it wasn't our house. <laughs> <laughs> Blessings to your family and to Miss E's fortitude from Debbie. <laughs> that is a great Thanksgiving memory, Debbie. Thank That's you very awesome. much for okay. that. Immaculate house, hot enough to kill the germs. Yep, I'd take that back. <laughs> right. That's hilarious. Well, you, you, know, you know, you're not going to lose, you don't want to lose the... The, the entire casserole, right? No, no. No. We had a uh, a Christmas story moment, actually, on Thanksgiving. Uh, after the food had been eaten and the desserts were placed out, uh, Missy's mother uh, brought a cheesecake, which was there on the table, and we discovered that uh, Booker the puppy, the very large, tall, long-legged puppy, uh, not only can, but will put his face and his front paws on the kitchen, on the dining room table and eat whatever he can reach. And he could reach the very edges of this really yummy cheesecake. Yeah. And he totally nibbled around a corner. And I was like, well, so looking I come, at it going, what on earth? <laughs> yeah. I walked into the dining room and I thought to myself, that's, um, that's not, I don't think that's, that's how that cheesecake came. Nope. And, uh, no. So the hogs got a little the hogs cheesecake, got a cheesecake for yes, Thanksgiving. They were very happy. They he tried were. it again, and then he polished off the last of the apple pie. Yep. Because apparently we didn't learn our lesson. We kept thinking he wouldn't go that far up on the that table. That was pretty far up on the table. We should know. We've had dogs climb up on our dining room uh, table before. Uh, we, that's true. We should be aware of it. But I, She had short little legs. Go <laughs> right. figure. But um, I did get a recommendation for hooves uh, as, a, as a chew toy. Uh, and that does seem to work. So I bought a bag of hooves this week. Uh, Bullet has his. Booker has his. And they do seem to be very occupied. Booker, you might be able to hear a yeah. gnawing in the background. That would be Booker he's and his hoof. Chomping away right behind Which us. is great because it means he's not eating a anything. Uh, right, a book, wires, uh, digging into the goat food, another feed that he can uh, uh, reach. So, yeah, it's... Uh, this is progress. I feel like we're actually finally making some progress here with the dog. But he's a monster puppy. He is huge. He is. It's like Clifford the Big Red Dog, only he's white and caramel colored. Right. Or would that be pumpkin colored? He kind of matches. He kind of matches Booker or Bullet. Bullet. Yeah. In coloration, but different fur altogether and totally different patterns. Mm -hmm. But the colors are pretty much spot on. <laughs> yeah, they're kind of complimentary. Weirdly complimentary. Yeah, kind of like how our, for our first dog, Barney, was with Ruffian. Right. Like, people thought that Ruffian was Barney's baby, but they were completely different. Boy, first off, they were both boys, and they were completely different types of dogs, but they both had that black and brown mixed spaniel, long hair, shaggy look to them. And it was really funny because when you sit them side by side, you're like, oh, yeah, they, they, they do look like they could be father son. 
Yeah, and uh, Booker and Bullet, I guess, could be like kissing cousins. Yeah, right. Or I guess if they're dogs, maybe not kissing. But we won't go there. Uh, both have great Pyrenees in them. Butt-sniffing cousins, butt I guess, right? Yeah, the butt-sniffing. All right, uh, we do have more emails to get to. I had asked last week uh, about what it would take to uh, to get you to vote for a Democrat. Uh, the demise of Democrats in rural America, which we're only, again, continuing to see the contempt uh, that not only elected officials, but I, I really think, you know, the uh, the Democrats culturally, uh, both in the news media, places like, for instance, BuzzFeed, uh, as well as the entertainment media have when it comes to, you know, quote unquote, flyover country or any place that isn't Los Angeles or New York or Silicon Valley, maybe Seattle and uh, Washington, D.C. Um, so we'll talk after the uh, break about Fixer Upper. And Chip and Joanna Gaines, a uh, favorite in our house. You love Fixer yes, Upper, and our I youngest do. daughter loves Fixer Upper. Uh, and so we'll talk about the the attack on the Gaines and the attack on, uh, frankly, I think uh, the attack that we're really just starting to see, and it's going to last for quite some time, the attack on uh, middle America, the things that uh, the, the, the BuzzFeed editors and the uh, folks uh, you know running sites like BuzzFeed actually find offensive. And it's weird because it's... People like Chip and Joanna Gaines. So stick around. We've got more 40 Acres and a Fool, but we've got to take a quick break. We'll be back right after this. 40 Acres and a Fool with Cam Edwards on the Blaze Radio Network. Experts at Web.com want to build your business a successful website for free, just like we did for these current Web.com customers. We've used and and looked at other website designers, but there's nobody better than Web.com. Web.com can build your website in as little as seven days free. Plus, we'll promote it on all the major search engines like Google, Yahoo, and Bing. If after 30 days you're happy, we'll continue to provide promotion, hosting, support, and maintenance, all for one low monthly fee. If not, cancel and pay nothing. If you're in business today and you don't have a web presence, you won't be taken seriously. Call right now and you'll also get a free .com or .net domain name for your new website powered by VeriSign, the world's leading domain name provider. Call 800-490-1099 or go to web.com slash radio. That's 800-490-1099. No upfront charge for site build, after which ongoing fees apply. Rights to site are relinquished when canceled. Domain included during active service, after which fees apply. 40 Acres and a Fool with Cam Edwards on the Blaze Radio Network. So BuzzFeed decided this week that it was going to uh, out the stars of Fixer Upper, Chip and Joanna Gaines, as... Christians who attend church in Waco, Texas, and their, their pastor has said that homosexuality is a sin. Now, he's also probably talked about everybody being a sinner, but BuzzFeed didn't really want to focus on that, right? We don't, we're not going to get into the intricacies of, uh, of the Christian faith. Uh, no, no, no. We're just going to try to portray the stars of Fixer Upper as uh, homophobic bigots, basically. Just just as insin- raise the question, are they perhaps homophobic bigots? I don't think so. I don't think so either. Um, they seem like nice people. They, they do, which I think is one of the reasons why BuzzFeed decided to go after them, too. Uh, the author of this piece, apparently a few days before this piece ran, had tweeted something on uh, Twitter about how uh, she couldn't watch Fixer Upper because she just thought they were all Trump 
supporters, oh. right? Which, again, just tells you the mindset that we're talking about here. Oh, um, my goodness gracious. The good news is, though, I think that this actually backfired. I, I, I don't think it got any real traction. I haven't seen any defenders of BuzzFeed outside of, I think, like Cosmopolitan, yeah. Jezebel, um, the usual suspects. But I haven't actually seen a lot of, like, real people uh, defend the BuzzFeed story. I have seen a lot of people, including uh, some uh, gay men, uh, like Gabriel Malora on Twitter, who've actually said, listen, this is harmful to to the cause of uh, gay rights. It's it's it it it's you know scolding people. It's trying to shame people. Yeah. Uh, don't do this. This is bad. This is this is you know the wrong way to go about things. Um, and I've seen a lot of that. There was actually a similar piece uh, in tone in the Washington Post, and and I, I I'm starting to have a little hope here that maybe we're getting a little sick of the the public shaming for the sake of shame's sake. Like, it almost seems like, mm. you know, like, that's the, the easy go-to story. Like, who will we destroy today, right? Who said something on Facebook? Who said something on Twitter? Uh, who has, uh, you know, again, done something that we think would offend the sensibilities of, uh, of our audience? Uh, and let's rile up our audience. For no good reason. Right. Let's just get people riled up for no good reason. And it's, it's I don't even want to call it journalism. It's not, but it's no. just, it's, it's cheap. Uh, it's relatively easy to produce and it's clickbaity. It, it gets eyeballs, right? Yeah. Uh, and that's why it gets done. And BuzzFeed makes a ton of money when they do stuff like this mm-hmm. as, as wrong and as awful as it is. So I'm, I'm glad to see that there was some, uh, quite a bit of pushback and I, I'm, I'm, I'm hopeful that maybe uh, we are starting to find our voice on stuff like this. And uh, I, I don't know that BuzzFeed's listening, though. That's the only problem is that I don't I, I, they're still doubling down. I think they're still insisting that, oh, no, this was completely newsworthy. Um, no, it wasn't. They're in denial that they, they just don't know what the news is anymore because there's no one to tell them what to write. <laughs> I... I don't know if they really I don't know if it's that they don't know what the what the news is anymore. But they they have to know that they're only appealing to a relatively small section of America. Yeah. And there's no desire to appeal to anybody else. Like, they don't want to be liked in Waco, apparently. They don't want... Well, no, that's because those are the people that they look down upon anyway. Right. They're in Texas. They're, you know, they're troglodytes. Yeah, and so... You know, we were we were talking uh, last week about what it would take uh, to get you to vote for a Democrat, and I've got some emails uh, about the the loss of uh, rural America and even you know middle America um, by the uh, the left and by Democrats. So Stephen wrote in, said, uh, "Cam, more important, Missy, how the heck are you? Hope now that you have an extra week past the initial suck of round two of uh, chemo. Everything's getting a little bit better moment by moment. And, Feeling uh, better, yes. Thank you very much. Yeah. So Stephen said, you were asking what it would take for me to vote for X person. And he says, well, it really depends, right? Because if we're talking about local, we have tons of modernization items that would benefit our rural county, like real broadband internet. Yeah, wouldn't that be wouldn't that be Amazing, Stephen, yes. real broadband internet. Stephen says, I've worked from home now since 2006. And I can tell you while satellite internet has improved, it's still very costly to maintain. And if it wasn't subsidized by the removal of a fuel bill for traveling to work, I wouldn't have it. I just couldn't justify the expense. But with it, 
folks do have the ability to run an internet business from home among other avenues of competition for media and shopping. Uh, things that would bring real work, not more places to spend money for our con- county. He says we lose three manufacturing companies and they're replaced by McDonald's, a Sonic, and a Dollar General. Progress? I mean, maybe the Sonic, Stephen, but no, in the long run, no, that's not progress. You're mm-hmm. right. You lose those 15 20 $25 an hour jobs. You replace them with, you know, uh, even, and here's the thing, you can replace them with $8, $9 an hour fast food jobs, right? And then you, you get people say, well, now we're going we're gonna to have the fight for 15 We want a $15 an hour minimum wage. And all of a sudden, the number of positions at McDonald's and Sonic and Dollar General are slashed in half. Oh, and McDonald's has already introduced the self-serve kiosks at some of their places out on the West Coast where they're making it the law that you have to pay $15 at a minimum wage. Mm-hmm. I know. And there are going to be a lot of, listen, not, not everybody in California lives in Los Angeles, in San Francisco. And, you know, that is going to be, I think, uh, really disastrous for a lot of the state. And there's a lot of people who are going to go out of business because yeah. they can't afford to pay that. And no. the thing that is really, you know, that sounds like me cursing all upside down and backwards. It should be. Um the thing that really frosts my cookies is that these are entry-level jobs. These aren't jobs meant for you to stay there. So that's the thing. It's like it, they're supposed to be a desire to work hard and be rewarded and move upward through the chain and get some experience and go someplace and earn more money. You don't automatically get out there and should be making $15 an hour. No. No. No one should. That's ridiculous. Yeah. Um, Steven says the sad fact is rural pockets like ours, we're the first to see the downward impacts, lost jobs and opportunities, fuel and food price increases. We're the last to see the upswings. We've been in a lull here nearly nonstop, he says, since before the first 9-11. We've had a couple of small bumps up, but by and large, the improvements have been drowned out by younger folks uh, migrating away, the importing of more retirees and you know, folks that are on welfare, uh, retirees, he says, bring money, but they're all on fixed income. So we know where that goes. And the welfare folks, there's no real net gain there either. Uh, I suppose, you know, in, in that sense with the retirees coming in, Stephen, does that provide more home health aid jobs? Does that provide more, you know, jobs uh, for a pharmacy or, uh, outpatient rehabilitation services, things like that. I would mm-hmm. think that, you know, there's, uh, in, in the state of Virginia, there's a town called Winchester, that has attracted uh, a huge number of retirees, and they've really promoted that. They've built a hospital with a gerontology unit, uh, which has become one of the best gerontology units in the country. And so it's it's become a magnet for retirees. And in turn, uh, those that retiree population provides you know a lot of jobs. So yeah. I, I, I don't think that retirees are actually the worst thing to have. I understand you know it uh, in terms of you know growing your population. Uh, it may be a short-term solution, yeah. but it also, but it also provides you know a a tax base, and it provides uh, folks who are you know being, uh, moving in and able to pay their property taxes. And well, and there's always people moving in, right? Right. They kind of age out. Yeah. Uh, so Stephen says on the plus side, I did travel to Southern Indiana a few weeks ago to visit family and. Wow, he says, every small town I went through, I saw signs of growth and help wanted signs everywhere. It was enough to make me seriously contemplate moving to get out of this depressed area. I tried hard to bring that hope and optimism home, but people are just so tired here. Stephen says, am I a drag or what? I started out so chipper and I went down the drain on you. He said, I'm sorry, that's what politics has done. Either you're fighting mad or so completely apathetic. 
Yeah, burned out. I, 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 I think uh, mm-hmm. not necessarily apathetic, Stephen, but just burned, burned out, right, on, on politics. And how I am right now. And again, it's, it's easy to get that way when everything becomes political. Um, but it is good to hear, you know, that there's some signs of growth in, in southern Indiana. I, you know, there, there's some signs of growth in Farmville right now. I just I'm a little concerned about that because virtually all of it is tied to uh, Longwood University. And it, look, it's great that you've got you know, more development and, uh, you know, some properties that are being built and the idea is that, you know, the students are going to have housing uh, and maybe the student body is going to grow. But at the, at the same time, we also, I think, have a higher education bubble right now. And, yeah. you know, if, 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 if factory towns went boom uh, and then went bust, are, are we going to see that with college towns? Are college towns the new factory towns? And are they going to oh. go bust at some point? Probably, because there's more and more people who are like, really, I don't want to send my kids off to these crazy colleges. They're, they've got these professors. Yeah, or if, if I can, if my kid can get the same degree going, you know, uh, to community college and then online, and I save $60,000, uh, you know, that we're not saddled with or they're not saddled with in, in student loan debt. You're right. Um, and they're not physically on campus, but they're still able to get a college degree. I think we're going to see more of that going forward in the well, future. one of our kids is getting his education through the Internet mm-hmm. and home stuff. So, yeah, I totally see it for college as well. So we also got an email from Loretta who says, Dear Missy and Cam, it has been a long time, way too long since I last wrote. It has been, Loretta, but I'm glad that you wrote in this week. She said, back in June, you shared an email on the podcast that I had written you about my beloved 95-year-old uncle, Dr. J. Harold Bonner of Walworth, Wisconsin. Uh, In that podcast, I learned that Missy is a native of Cumberland County, New Jersey, where we now live and farm. I had every intention, she says, of writing back immediately, but life is busy. I've been traveling a lot for work. The farm was very busy all summer and one week slipped into the next, and that one into the one after that. And the next thing you know, Missy was scheduled for surgery, and then had surgery. Loretta says, I felt completely tongue-tied. I didn't know what to say or how to say it, which is very unusual for a lawyer. Uh-huh. Uh, Loretta says, my heart goes out to both of you and the entire family. And please know that there are at least two more people, uh, me and hubby, thinking good thoughts, praying for your strength and good cheer, and Missy's speedy recovery, and wondering what else we could possibly do to help. Oh, thank you so much for thinking of us. Absolutely. Uh, and, and we will certainly let you know, Loretta, if there's uh, anything you can do. I'm thinking maybe some baked goods from uh, <laughs> from up there in Cumberland County, right? <laughs> Got to be a good Italian bakery up there. Somewhere. I know. Uh, I used to go to the one, but it wasn't Cumberland County. It was, uh, I think it was, uh, I don't remember where it was. It was right on the Black Horse Pike, Del Buenos. Mm-hmm. Used, oh, yeah. That was a place they gave all the little kids their own little dinner roll while the parents shopped and got them stuff. But you get them hot out of the oven. Oh, yeah. That was awesome. Loretta says, uh, now allow me to turn to the question you posed in your Thanksgiving podcast. What would it take for me to vote for a Democrat? Loretta says, Colin Peterson's voting record, Colin Peterson uh, from uh, Minnesota, uh, indicates that he votes with Republicans much of the time, which I guess isn't surprising given the Washington Post interview. Uh I found this interesting graphic, uh, and she shared from uh, GovTrack.us uh, on uh, some of Peterson's voting issues. She says he's clearly an anomaly in the Democratic Party. The party's wholly devoted to the fake civil rights agenda that's been on the table since Obama was elected, but after eight years of lurching ever further leftward and focusing on more and more outlandish interpretations of what constitutes civil rights and religious liberty, to name just a few issues, middle America is finally being heard again. 
In any event, none of that's an answer to your question. So here it is. Even if I had a Democrat candidate whose stated positions ticked my particular boxes, I'd be very reluctant to vote for him or her over a GOP candidate because of the Democrat habit of, quote, uh, circling the wagons and voting as a block in order to accomplish the longer term goals of the party, which most decidedly do not presently tick any of my boxes. Mm. I would tend to think that any Democrat would eventually have to knuckle under that pressure and relinquish the positions that I could support. You know, and and that's the thing, uh, Loretta. I mean, this is we saw this happen a decade ago when the uh, Rahm Emanuel uh, devised the blue dog strategy and Democrats were able to take back the House. (laughs) Missy's going blah, blah, blah. (laughs) This is where I unveil my political knowledge, and this is where you roll your eyes, right? Yep. Okay. Go ahead. So, 10 years ago, (laughs) Democrats took back the House because Rahm Emanuel said we need to run a bunch of these, uh, uh, you know, quote-unquote moderate Democrats that can win in places like Kentucky and North Carolina and Oklahoma. Uh, and they'll be economic populists. They'll be pro-gun, and and they can win. And a lot of them did, and they got elected. And then they went to Washington D.C. and they were told, "Okay, now you have to vote like Nancy Pelosi." Mm. And it was a very short-lived political phenomenon. I think there may be two blue dog Democrats left from uh, that original class ten years ago because mm. they got voted. They, you know, they they couldn't. They were told they couldn't represent their constituents that they had to vote like they were rep- uh, representing San Francisco or Washington, D.C. That doesn't make any sense. And so I think it's a really good point, Loretta. I wonder if it sounds to me like then in that case, you would have to see change in leadership. Like instead of Nancy Pelosi getting reelected to House Minority uh, position, uh, somebody like a Tim Ryan or even somebody like a Colin Peterson. But the decision makers at the top would have to change in order for you to support a local candidate. And I think that there are a lot of people who are exactly like you. And I want I want Democrats in Washington, D.C. to listen to people like you. Uh, because, frankly, there are a lot of uh, Democrats right now in Washington, D.C. who think the answer is that they were the problem is they were too moderate this time around. Mm. Uh, and that they need to be even further to the left from what they were uh, to entice younger voters. Now, Loretta says, I'd much prefer we didn't have political parties at all. Uh, she says, you probably know that George Washington was against them and addressed political parties in his farewell address. Not only do I know that, Loretta, but I was talking to Missy e about that earlier tonight, and she was once again rolling her eyes as I was regaling her with history. <laughs> I thought you were going to say, not only did I know that, but I was there. <laughs> I had this funny look on That's your face. <laughs> So uh, Loretta quotes part of a George Washington's farewell address from September of 1796. The disorders and miseries which result gradually incline the minds of men to seek security and repose in the absolute power of an individual. And sooner or later, the chief of some prevailing faction, more able or more fortunate than his competitors, thus turns this disposition to the purposes of his own elevation on the ruins of public liberty. Without looking forward to an extremity of this kind, which nevertheless ought not to be entirely out of sight, the common and continual mischiefs of the spirit of party are sufficient to make it the interest and duty of a wise people to discourage and restrain it. It serves always to distract the public councils and enfeeble the public administration. It agitates the community with ill-founded jealousies and false alarms, kindles the animosity of one party against another, foments occasionally riot and insurrection. It opens the door to foreign influence and corruption, which finds a facilitated access to the government itself through the channels of party passions, and thus the policy and the will of one country are subjected to the policy and will of another. That's what's going on now. (laughs) 
It is. And at the, well, and at the time, sorry, we have a random dog intrusion here. Hello, Booker. Oh, don't bite, Booker. Don't poke. Hi. He's got sharp teeth. Anyway, uh, at the time that this was going on, you, you had the creation, really, of, of parties. As Washington was leaving, the country was choosing between John Adams and Thomas Jefferson. Jefferson had resigned from Washington's cabinet. Uh, over uh, Washington's position with uh, with regards to the French Revolution, whether or not we should support the French Revolution. Uh, Jefferson adamantly believed that we should, that uh, France was our ally in the American Revolution. And yeah, that which we was funny. should come to their aid. Washington's uh, position was, listen, we, we don't need any foreign entanglements right now. We're just getting started on our own. Mm. We're really, really weak. And oh, by the way, that's not the same French government that we dealt with during the American Revolution. Well, because they just... Chopped off that guy's head. Yes, there is that. Um, and so that was really the the start of the you know the first political parties, the Federalists and the uh, Republican Democrats. And and yes, that was their name. Yeah, yeah, Republican, Republican Democrats, hyphen Democrats uh, which was led by uh, Jefferson, and, and then the Federalists ended up splintering apart. Uh, you had the Adams faction, and you had the Hamilton faction, and then. Anyway, um, the sorry, <laughs> I could just keep talking you about history could. for hours. But my, my point is that they've say. been there from the beginning. Even Washington, the father of our country, with his words of wisdom and the fact that the American people listened to him, we still had parties. We, we, we really had the formation of the parties begin uh, over his objections while he was still in office. Yeah, so yeah. I, think, I think parties are here to stay. Uh, I think that's, uh, that's just... How it is now, whether it's you know a two party system or whether we see the uh, the rise of like a some uh, minor party parties like in England. Right? I, I don't think we'll see seventeen, but maybe maybe three or four. Loretta says uh, so. Those are my thoughts on this week's subject. Please make sure that you and Missy give one another plenty of long, strong hugs. You will weather this storm and come out the other side stronger than ever as a couple and as a family. Loretta, thank you for that. I do appreciate it. And uh, don't be a stranger, and don't feel tongue tied. We uh, we love hearing from you. Uh, one more email on this subject from Arturo, who says, um, what would it take for me to vote for a Democrat for anything? Somebody committed voter fraud in my district and voted Democrat for me. <laughs> uh, Arturo says, I voted Trump not because I'm in for the Republican Party, uh, nor because I think that Trump is a great candidate, but because I wanted to keep Hillary Rodham Clinton out. Yeah, see. Hopefully now, like her husband, she'll no longer ever hold another political office. Honestly, Arturo says, both the Democratic and Republican parties no longer represent the people nor the founding principles of our nation, and so far gone that they're unsalvageable. We need two new political parties to faithfully Ooh. represent the people. Well, you know, we've never had a uh, uh, formation of two new parties, Arturo. I mean, that's the, this is my concern, and I know we've got to take a time out, but this is, this is my concern if the Democrats decide to wander in the wilderness the way they are and, and are content being a rump party that represents uh, coastal counties and, you know, a few uh, urban areas uh, sprinkled out throughout the rest of the country. Um, if, if, if they decide that they are, aren't interested in being a national party anymore, and we ultimately end up with what amounts to a, a one-party system. We, we had that uh, with the Republican-Democrats after the Federalists imploded uh, during the War of 1812. And really, the last Federalist president was John Adams. And that one-party system, it takes a while for the cracks to develop and for another party to emerge. Uh, it was the late 1830s before the Whigs 
uh, came about. And, you know, those were a lot of former Federalists and then uh, anti-Jackson uh, uh, Democrats who, who started the Whig Party. So I just don't think it's Jackson. Anti-Jackson, yes. Miss Jackson. <laughs> if you're nasty. If you're nasty. Uh, Andrew Jackson, if you're <laughs> historically not, fun. I guess, right, if you're historically accurate. Um, so I, I just, I think that would be a really tall order, quite frankly, of, of two parties springing up and replacing the uh, the parties that are, are, are currently in existence. Like I said, maybe we'll see three or four parties, and maybe those, maybe the Libertarian Party and the Green Party continues to grow, but I, I don't know. To me, this seems like it would have been the year to see a third party take off with two candidates that were broadly unpopular among the American people. And it didn't do real And good. it didn't happen. No. It, it didn't happen at all, as a they matter of fact. take advantage of it, or they just didn't get anybody charismatic enough to get them going maybe yeah, 2020 we'll see a charismatic green party candidate that we can all get behind maybe maybe uh i don't know about a green party candidate i don't know i'd have a really hard time getting well a green party whatever candidate. you know what i mean like not maybe pin gillette will run as a libertarian who knows we could have a magician in the white house that'd be kind of interesting well we've got a uh, real estate mogul coming in now so i guess a magician and then be. didn't kanye west want to run in 2020 yeah but he's in the hospital with a nervous breakdown right now so that might interfere with his plans like that that might mm. that might come up in 2020 well it again, might not matter it might to not the american matter. people like, we, who knows but uh, I, I tell you what does matter uh, we need to take a time out here cuz yes, uh, the hour is growing late miss e is growing tired and we've got more 40 acres and a fool so stick around we'll be right back you're listening to 40 Acres and a Fool with Cam Edwards on the Blaze Radio Network. Stupid internet stuff. Huh. Click here for free. Oh, I got a virus. Smart internet stuff. You didn't vote for the guy? Fine. You think he's going to do bad? Fine. You think he's going to do good? Fine. You want to give him a chance? You don't want to give him a chance? Fine. But come down off of your high horse and stop preaching to me that you're morally superior. Because I'm willing to I'm willing to put it all on the table. The Morning Blaze with Doc Thompson. Weekdays 6 to 9 a.m. Eastern on the Blaze Radio Network. 40 Acres and a Fool with Cam Edwards returns now on the Blaze Radio Network. So during that last little break, it was a little bit longer uh, for us than it was for you. I was out walking the dog, and I came up, honey, with with our show. Oh, you ready? No. So we could be the Chip and <laughs> Joanna Gaines of Central Virginia Farm Flippers. Yeah, that's right, Farm Flippers. We get we're not good enough farmers to do that. How we just we have, we have to, get to flip? No. Yeah, we have to flip the farm. Ah, I gotcha. Right. You you take the old uh, semi abandoned farms that are you know kind of in need of some repair yeah. and they're available cheap and then you renovate them and you fix them up and then you flip them yeah that'd be a good idea fix up the outbuildings get areas set up with fencing and things that everybody would need to right. start off farm flippers yeah that'd be kind of fun <laughs> maybe maybe that'll be our uh, our long term project for the spring our, our, our retirement you're feeling, project uh, right. <laughs> <laughs> We have so many other projects. We've got to get the garden going. We want to get the man cave set up. I know. Well, you know, it's it's funny because when we first moved here uh, back in 2013 and I was still commuting up to the D.C. area and, and living up there during the week, 
I, I had this idea. Forty Acres and a Fool, honestly, was originally pitched as a reality show, mm-hmm. uh, as uh, sort of modern family meets Duck Dynasty meets Green Acres. Yeah. Right? Uh, just this fish out of water, suburban family moving to the farm and not knowing what the heck they're doing. And I thought it would make a really good TV show. Uh, wrote a, uh, a pitch for it. Um, had a couple of conversations with some uh, TV production folks who were not necessarily friends, but acquaintances. Mm-hmm. And you know, what was really interesting is like I was, I was, I was talked out of it by people who make these shows for a living. <laughs> and it wasn't that they thought the idea was bad, and it wasn't that they thought. Uh, that uh, uh, this wasn't workable. Um, they just said, you really need to think about what you're getting into. Yeah. And you really need to think about, you know, do you really, really want this? And they just had all those words of caution, like, yeah, you really got to think twice about this because you're not in control of your story. If right. it's a reality show, are you, are you okay? You moving around here? Well, I got a big, you got a big dog. dog big my feet. <laughs> I couldn't move my legs in any direction because he's right in underneath my butt. So sorry. So, I mean, like, you know, those, those types of reality shows, like you're not, you're not the executive producer. You're, you're basically an actor. Yeah. You're uh, set. Right. But with farm flippers, again, you know, we don't have to worry about the, Manufacturing of drama and stuff like that. I'm sure we'd have our own drama if we were working together on a TV show. (laughs) We managed to do a a podcast a week. Yeah, we're Uh, not renovating anything. That's true. (laughs) We'd be hiring. We'd have to agree upon the contractors to hire. I think that's what we'd be doing. All right. Well, this is my question of the week. Then, what do you think? Do you want to see? uh, Do you want to see Missy? On uh, farm flippers on HGTV, I'm actually really handy. I know you are. Way, that's why so. I. That's why I'm asking. I. I think the answer is going to be a resounding yes. But, uh, <laughs> share this far and wide if you would like to uh, see Miss E on your HGTV. <laughs> Maybe that should be our, our campaign slogan. All right, we're going to step away for a moment. We got a little bit more uh, Forty Acres and a Fool coming up right after this. I need better hair first, though. We'll go this spring, or, or that we need to be the matching bald people who flip houses and sure. farms. That'd be our shtick. Or you know, I will wear a wig with you. <laughs> we have already. <laughs> exactly. All right, stick around. We'll be right back with more Forty Acres and a Fool. Forty Acres and a Fool with Cam Edwards on the Blaze Radio Network. They'd much rather the storyline be, oh, it's just all about racism. And look, the Democrats have gotten lazy because they like to just say that everything is racist all the time. It has been effective up to a point, but I I do think that the public has become kind of numb to that accusation. And this election, in, in a sense, but it was in part a rejection of irresponsible racism accusations. Buck Sexton, weekdays, noon to 3 p.m. Eastern on the Blaze Radio Network. 40 Acres and a Fool with Cam Edwards returns now on the Plays Radio Network. So I think this is going to be a really short segment because the sees looking a little tired. I'm tired. I'm yawning my head off. Oh, but I have a quick, quick craft thing we did this week that yes. would be easy to do. So we went to Wally World, Walmart, and uh, they have... Um, 
bags or boxes of ornament color groupings, and they're the plastic shatterproof type of ornaments. Mm-hmm. So they're little round balls, many colors, whatevers. And then over in the crafts department, they have these big metal wire frames for wreaths. And so 11-year-old kid 5 did this and made one all by herself. We just hot glued the balls to the frame. And voila, we have wreath. You have several wreaths, we yeah. Have, we have two now. We hang up in one in the front hall, one on the kitchen door. And then we also picked up, also at Walmart, those gigantic glitter bows. Now, have you posted pictures of these wreaths? I put a picture of uh, Kid Fives on Instagram. And I got a lot of... I, she was so thrilled when I told her she had like 40-something likes about the picture. <laughs> um, I put ours in the house with the back... The way it was lit yesterday, it was always backlit, so I couldn't mm. get a good picture of it. So I got to take a picture of that one later. And that one's just red and gold. And I think the last one, because it was a box of 101 ornaments. Wow. And I don't have enough for a third one. But I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to pick up some red and gold and green glitter balls of different sizes and just make one that's just all glitter balls. With big glitter bowl. Okay. It'll be all glittery. All righty. Yeah, there's glitter everywhere. I know. It's crazy. I but have glitter Christmas. in my beard. Yes, you did. Yeah. It's kind of funny. But it's Christmas. If you can't have glitter in your beard around Christmas, when can you have <laughs> glitter in your beard? Never. Oh, my God. Speaking of glitter in your beard, I actually saw that on two places in Facebook. Dudes with little ornaments mm-hmm. hanging in their beard and dudes with glitter yeah. sprayed into their beard. And I was just like, just no. Just no. Just, I'm just going to say no to you right I, now, honey. I, I, I just know. say no to the freaky uh, you holiday you landscaping. You have nothing to worry about. There will not be little... My my face will not be a winter wonderland. No, thank you. I mean, it would be weird enough with glitter. It would be really crazy if we put that fake snow on. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you want to see the uh, Christmas wreath and if you want to see updates from the farm, uh, you can follow Missy on Instagram at Corny Goat Farm. You can also follow me on Instagram at Cam Edwards uh, and on Twitter as well at Cam Edwards, and I hope that you have a wonderful week. hope that uh, you avoid any massive snowfalls, any forest fires, oh, yeah. any other uh, natural disasters, tornadoes we've had in the United States over the past week. So I hope that you all are safe and sound. We'll talk again soon. In the meantime, be safe, have fun, live a little, learn a lot, and we'll see you here soon with more 40 Acres and a Fool from the Blaze Radio Network. Merry Christmas. We're going to be talking to them before Christmas. Well, just in case. Merry Christmas. What do you mean, just in case? Just in case what? Well, just in case I don't do another podcast before Christmas. Merry Christmas. You're going to do another podcast before Christmas, but okay. Merry Christmas. It's the season. I'm allowed to start saying Merry Christmas. That's true. we got 12 days, but there, that hasn't even started yet. It's after Thanksgiving. Okay. Merry Christmas, Merry Gracie. Christmas. <laughs> we'll talk to you soon. 40 Acres and a Fool with Cam Edwards on the Blaze Radio Network. 